I welcome you in the name of Jesus to this worship service. I'm so glad to see everybody here. And for those who are interested, there are coloring pages at the back. Age is no limit. If it helps you concentrate, feel free to grab something to do with your hands. But we are glad that you're here. I hope you sense the welcome of God's people and the Spirit of God. We're here to focus on God, to honor who God is, and listen to what God says. We can expect to be encouraged and challenged and strengthened. We'll sing, we'll pray, we'll read the Bible. And Tim Dick is our guest speaker this morning, so a special welcome to you, Tim. Let's begin by taking our hymn books, which you will find, I hope, in the seat ahead of you, underneath in the rack. Let's turn to number 108. All the songs this morning are going to be from the book, so keep it handy. Come Christians, join to sing number 108, and we're just going to sing the first two verses. Please stand. Verses 1 and 2 only. is Psalm 16, and that is also in your hymn book. Turn to number 692. 692. And we're going to divide it up just a little bit. We'll read the first verse all together. And then I'll read the middle part. And then we'll all read together again, starting at the words... I will praise the Lord. You see that on the second page? I will praise the Lord. That's where you'll begin again. So, we're going to go straight from this into our next song, which will be easy to find. It's song number one. So, let's start Psalm 16 with just the first verse together. Keep me safe, O God, for in you I take refuge. I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. As for the saints who are in the land, they are the glorious ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those will increase who run after other gods. I will not pour out their libations of blood or take up their names on my lips. Lord, you have assigned me my portion and my cup. You have made my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. Together, I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. 
You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Song number one, joyful, joyful. And verse two will be for the men and boys to sing. Verse three for the women and girls. as we recognize God's greatness and goodness, we realize our own weakness and selfishness. We know we need forgiveness and we need help to change. So our confession song invites Jesus to address us personally, to not ignore us, but to heal us. Pass me not, number 337. And again, we'll mix it up a bit. Verse 2 this time will be for the women and girls. And verse 3 for the men and boys. Number 337. Others thou 
together. Savior, Savior, hear my humble cry. While on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. Men, trusting only in thy merit, would I seek thy faith. is our confession prayer and we also have opportunity to pray intercession and thanksgiving so let's pray father thank you that you do hear our prayers because of our relationship with you through your son jesus and by that spirit of adoption in our hearts that assures us of your fatherhood of us we bring these requests to you and these thanksgivings. Thank you for being present in our lives by your spirit. Thank you for health. Thank you for your nearness. Thank you for your reassurance that you are leading us and guiding us. And so we feel free to bring our needs to you and the needs of those we love. Pray for those who are grieving the deaths of their loved ones and especially the extra layers of complication that come from COVID restrictions and contact tracing and funeral delays. Give them a sense of your peace and your presence with them. We pray for rain, for our general needs and for those crops that are still supposed to grow. We also pray for safety and harvest for those crops that are now ready. Let's end our prayer time with some silent prayer. First, silent confession. And also, whatever requests you have, you can offer to the Lord in silence. Lord, you have heard our hearts. We turn from our sin. We repent of our resistance to you. And we receive your forgiveness, bought for us by the blood of Jesus. We receive your spirit of adoption that assures us that we are your daughters and sons. Amen. Our song of assurance is number 516, He's Everything to Me, number 516. And uh, this is one of my favorites, partly for what it expresses. It expresses the change of perspective, a change from God being distant to a God being near, as we shared, God's presence and nearness with us. Instead of God just being a concept or the distant creator or part of ancient history, the Christmas story or the crucifixion, 
God is close. We take his work for us personally. We realize it applies to us. So let's sing this song with that kind of reassurance. Number 516, he's everything to me. Please stand if you're able. stars his handiwork I see on the wind he speaks with majesty though he ruleth over land and sea what is that to me I will celebrate nativity for it has a place in history came to set his people free what is that to me till by faith I met him face to face and I felt the wonder of his grace then I knew that he was more than just a God who didn't care that lived away out there and beside me day by day, ever watching o'er me lest I stray, helping me to find that narrow way. He's everything to me. Till by faith, till by faith I met him face to face, and I felt the wonder of his that he was more than just a God who didn't care that lived away out there and now he walks beside me day by day ever watching o'er me lest I stray helping me to find that narrow way he's everything to You may be seated. Our preaching passage this morning is part of the Ten Commandments series. So it's in Exodus chapter 20. And we are focusing on verse 12. So listen to Exodus 20 verses 2 and 12. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Honor your father and your mother, so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Before I got to know Tim Dick, he was part of the Wycliffe Bible Translators administration. And when I met him, he was in his very responsible role in our conference as the executive director. And I enjoyed working with him in planning the 2015 convention in Brandon. He and his three adult children and their families have recently endured the great loss of his wife, Brenda. He continues to serve our conference administratively, as well as this morning by sharing from the scripture and from the insight the Spirit has given him. So welcome, Brother Tim. Come and share with us. This is made for Russell. It's oh. a little bit higher. Too bad? <laughs> take this one there we go <laughs> good morning it's good to be with you this morning here in McGregor um, I've uh, appreciated being able to get together with fellow believers once again in our own home community in Steinbach it's been a long time of waiting before we've been able to get back together again and so it is really good to be together with another group of believers in a different context. And so thank you very much for your invitation to be here this morning. And um, thank you also, many of you have already expressed that you have been praying for me and for our family as we have gone through this journey of saying goodbye to Brenda. We're so appreciative of being a part of the EMC, of knowing that there are people and churches and others that are uh, walking alongside us in this time of our grief. 
we are so grateful. When Russell called me or he text, uh, sent an email and asked whether I'd be interested in preaching this morning and uh, I asked him, so what are, you, what are you preaching on? What's your series? And he said, well, we're going through the Ten Commandments. And I thought, well, that's very interesting. That's an intriguing idea. And so I listened to some of the messages that he had preached initially and uh, was very impressed with the way that he brings the commandments to life. They're uh, you know, from a very distant time and another context, another society, and he has uh, provided a way of understanding these commandments in a positive way, not just a matter of sin avoidance or do's and don'ts, but just trying to understand the positive perspective that these commandments give for believers today. And uh, so I want to be able to do that as well uh, with this commandment, although I realize that when we're talking about honoring father and mother, uh, many of the people that I'm looking at here probably don't have fathers and mothers alive today. Uh, so this maybe isn't exactly the right, uh, but we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there together. So as we take a look, oh, and I also wanted to say that as part of this, looking at this fifth commandment to honor your father and mother, I've brought my daughter along as a practical object lesson for this day. Uh, she honored me by joining me in this drive out this morning from Steinbach to McGregor, so I'm very grateful that Aubrey is here with us this morning as well. Uh, let's bow for prayer before we begin. Father in heaven, we are grateful for this opportunity to be together in your house and to be able to worship together as we've already done this morning and to hear from you the words that you have uh, for this morning's uh, message. So I pray that you will use the words that uh, are spoken this morning to speak your truth in the ears of those who are listening today. And may you encourage us and strengthen us with the message from the Old Testament this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So before we get started, I just wanted to put the fifth commandment, honor your father and mother, into the proper context within the Ten Commandments. And experts tell us that there are about 613 laws in the Old Testament and that these laws can be summarized in the Ten Commandments. So all the Ten Commandments that were given are summarized, are summarized and fully, more fully, fully expanded upon in the laws that follow in both Exodus and in Deuteronomy. But furthermore, we know that by the time of Christ, the teachers of the law had further summarized these Ten Commandments into two, which I'm sure you've heard of before. Love God and love your neighbor. And when Jesus was questioned about this, he was asked, what is the greatest commandment? He agreed with that. He said, yes, the greatest commandment is this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And then he added the second one. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Well, taking that and looking back at the Ten Commandments, we can see that the first four commandments are really about our relationship with God, aren't they? They're about how to love God. Don't take the Lord's name in vain, don't have any idols, have no other gods before me, that sort of thing. And the last five are all about our relationship with others. Don't murder, don't steal, don't commit adultery. They're all about our relationship with other people. And the fifth commandment sits right in the middle as kind of a hinge verse, a hinge commandment. It could be perceived as belonging with the first four in our relationship with God, and an argument could be made that it actually belongs with the last five. It kind of fits both, because as we honor our father and mother, it's a reflection of our honor for the authority that God has put us under. It's a reflection of how we honor God. So it kind of fits in there as a hinge verse between the first four and the last five. So you could take your pick as to whether it belongs, as to which side of the tablets it belongs on. Some other interesting things about this fifth commandment is that um, most of the other commandments are presented in the negative. Thou shalt not. This one is presented in the positive. Honor your father and mother. This is also one of the few commandments that is actually uh, has a promise attached to it. He says, 
uh, honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. And if you look at the Deuteronomy passage, it also adds the fact that it may go well with you and you will live long in the land the Lord God is giving you. And of course, like all the other commandments, this commandment is further supported by other laws that are given further on in Exodus. It says anyone who curses his father and mother will be put to death. And Deuteronomy, it says, cursed is anyone who dishonors their father and mother. This commandment is also repeated in the New Testament and it's quoted by Jesus. So it's well supported within the entirety of scripture. So this morning, as we look at the fifth commandment, honor your father and mother, I wanna take a look at it from three different perspectives. One is to understand the significance of the fifth commandment in Hebrew society. The second one is to look at how Jesus reacted and responded to the fifth commandment. And then thirdly, to look at the relevance of this commandment for us as believers in the church today. So let's begin by looking first at the significance of this fifth commandment. It says, honor your father and mother. And to honor someone means to prize highly, to care for, to respect and obey an authority in our lives. Now, why was this so important that God included it in the list of 10 commandments. This was to the nation of Israel as they're preparing to advance into the land of Canaan to take the land that God has promised them, to take over this land and to establish this society that he wanted to have. And he included this commandment. And I think that one of the things that it boils down to is that God wanted them to understand he has all authority. All authority belongs to God. And yet he chooses to delegate it in particular ways. And one of the key ways that he delegates his authority is through parenthood, through the family structure, through the father and mother. In Malachi 1.6, uh, the prophet is quoting God and he says, a son honors his father and a slave his master. If I am a father, where is the honor due me? If I am a master, where is the respect due me, says the Lord Almighty. This commandment was given so that, we, that, that they could ensure that there was an orderly society when they took control of the land, where authority is respected and honored and given appropriately, and it all begins with honoring your parents. And it's not just for young children either, although it is directed at children, but it's also intended for children at all stages of life. So if you have a father and mother, this commandment is for you regardless of your stage of life. It also sets the stage for the transmission of the faith. One of the reasons it was important for the nation of Israel as they were entering into the land of Canaan was because God wanted to make sure he gave instructions to the parents, share the faith, tell them about who I am, talk about the experiences that you've had with me, make sure that the children understand the importance of following God. And... Um, and the only way they could do that is if there was appropriate honor given to the parents. I think it's noteworthy also that the commandment is given to honor both your father and your mother. Interesting because this was to a largely patriarchal society and the commandment was given to honor father and mother, not father only. And it's also good to acknowledge that when we spend our time honoring others, we are not seeking honor for ourselves. And one of the things that's interesting to me, if you look at the book of Esther and you read the, about the Prince Haman, you will see time and time and time again, Haman is seeking honor for himself. It's just peppered throughout that story. And every time the tables are turned and the honor goes to someone else. So I think God is intending that he wants the children of Israel to be able to honor appropriately the others, those who have gone before them, their parents, and to respect that authority in their lives. Another clue about the importance of this particular commandment is the promise that's connected to it. It says, so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. And the implication, of course, is that honoring your parents and respecting authority will enhance both the quality 
and the longevity of your life for those who obey. And conversely, for those who disobey the commandment, they may not live well or long in the new land. But I think this promise for long life was not intended just for the individuals, but for the nation as a whole. As they were entering into this land, God was telling them, if you will respect the authority that I've put in place here, if you will honor your father and mother, then it will go well with you and you will establish a long-standing kingdom in this land. And of course, that did not happen. So how well did the Israelites do in keeping this commandment? What was their track record like? In short, the answer is not so good. In the book of Judges, we read how many times the nation would turn to God and then the next generation would come and they would turn away from God. They would reject what they had just, what their parents had experienced and they would do evil in the sight of God. And this happened time and time and time again. Samson is a great example of somebody who would have done very well if he would have heeded the advice of his parents. He chose to disobey and it led to his downfall. Eli, the priest, he was the one who adopted Samuel in a sense and helped raise this young child who became a great prophet and priest as well. And yet his own sons, his two sons, were wicked and evil sons. And they were eventually put to death on the same day. And God says of Eli's sons in 1 Samuel, those who honor me, I will honor. But those who despise me will be disdained. Perhaps one very good example of someone who dishonored his parents was Absalom. Absalom was the son of King David. And when David was elderly and they, he was about to transfer his, his uh, kingship to one of his sons, Absalom decided he didn't want to wait. He wanted to take it by force. And so he tried to do that. And he seized every opportunity. And in so doing, he dishonored his father in some fairly significant ways. And so he met a very ignoble end. So the promise that God made to the people of Israel that they would live long in the land that God had given them was left unfulfilled because the people did not keep this and many other commandments. So let's look at the life of Jesus by contrast. Jesus affirmed this commandment on several occasions. One time, his disciples were picking grain and eating it without washing their hands. And so the Pharisees said, why are you letting your disciples break this tradition that we have? And Jesus replied to them was this, and why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is devoted to God, they are not to honor their father and mother. Thus, you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. On another occasion, the rich young ruler came to Jesus for advice on seeking how to enter the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus responded by quoting the laws that he should keep, including the law to honor his father and mother. But it wasn't just that Jesus knew these commandments and taught them to others. He also practiced what he preached. In Luke chapter 2, early on in Jesus' life, we read about the time when he was 12 years old and he went to the temple. Uh, the family had come to Jerusalem for the Passover and then the, his parents had left, but Jesus wasn't with them. He stayed behind. And the parents discovered that he wasn't there. They came back to Jerusalem, looked for three days, and finally found him in the temple. And Jesus said, didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? Jesus recognized, even at that young age, that his true father was his heavenly father. But then we have this amazing statement in verse 51. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. Even though he recognized that his true father was God in heaven, 
he still submitted to his earthly parents and was obedient to them. He understood that to honor his parents was to honor God. And at the end of his life, hanging on the cross, making the sacrifice for all of humankind, he still took the time to single out his mother from the cross. He looked at his mother and he looked at the disciple, probably John, and he said, woman, behold your son, and to John, behold your mother. And from that time on, it tells us, this disciple took her into his home. Even at that stage of life, he recognized the importance of caring for his mother after he was gone. But Jesus also honored his heavenly father. He not only honored his earthly parents, but he recognized his duty to honor his heavenly father as well. And some of the things that he said in his ministry uh, just verify this. He said, I have come to do the works that the Father has given me to do. Or, I honor my Father. I have not come to seek glory for myself. He says, For I did not speak on my own, but my, the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. And this one, Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Jesus easily navigated the tension between honoring his earthly parents and honoring God, and he set the example for us to follow. So, lastly, let's look at the relevance of this commandment for us today. But before we do that, I just want to make a couple of comments about understanding the purpose of the law in the perspective of the New Testament. So in order to understand the relevance of this commandment and all the other commandments, it's important that we understand the purpose of the law. You see, the nation of Israel was doomed to failure in some very real senses because it was impossible for them to obey the laws that God handed down. So we shouldn't be overly surprised that they were unable to keep this and all the other commandments. And Jesus reminded us, he didn't come to abolish the law, he came to fulfill the law, and he was the only one that could do this absolutely and completely. So what is the purpose of the law? Well, if you read through the book of Galatians, you see the purpose of the law is to point us to Christ to point out that we are wholly and absolutely incapable of keeping the law on our own. We need a Savior who can do that for us. Galatians continues by reminding us that the only way that we can even come close to keeping the law is by keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to guide us each and every day. We need Christ's forgiveness to cover over the to cover the offenses of not keeping the law, and we need the Holy Spirit to walk with us to guide us in keeping the law to the best of our ability. So, in the context of Old Testament law, including this fifth commandment, it was given to show us God's character, to demonstrate that we could not live up to this standard, to observe how Jesus fulfilled the law in every way, and to recognize that the only way that we can live in that, in any way according to the law, is by being in step with the Holy Spirit. So, coming back to that question, what's the relevance then for this law for us today? Well, we obviously live in a different society than the Old Testament Hebrew society. But the commandment, I believe, is still as relevant for our modern day believers for how we respect and honor our parents, but also for all of our relationships. And Paul, when he quotes this verse, it's given explicit instructions to, to, to children to obey their parents in Ephesians 6. But even this is stated in the context of a much broader set of relationships, interpersonal relationships between father, uh, between uh, husband and wife, between master and slave, between believers, and between children and parents. So both within the church and in a broader society, we see the benefits and the value of honoring our parents and those who are in authority over us. So let's think about it in this way. Think about um, concentric circles. 
At the center, you've got the core, which is honoring your father and mother. But outside of that, you've got a wider circle that is contained within this commandment, but not at the core, and that is honoring and respecting those within the extended family of God. So that means in this local church, in that context. And then you've got another circle outside of that, which is society as a whole. And we are called to honor all those who are in authority above us, in whatever capacity that might be. So that's those three circles that we'll look at here. So note that we're called to pay attention to all the circles, but the inner circles are key to fulfilling the outer circles. In other words, you really can't sufficiently honor the people within the congregation if you're not honoring your father and mother. You need to pay attention first to those ones that are at the core. So how can we go about honoring father and mother? Again, honor means to prize highly, to care for, to respect, and obey. And for children, and I don't see many children in the congregation this morning, but for children it's fairly, it's fairly obvious through obedience to our parents even when that is difficult or even seemingly unfair. And sometimes our parents can be unfair. And, you know, and I look back, and it was a long time ago that I was a child being obedient to my parents, but I cannot remember a time that I regret obeying my parents. I can recall many times when I regretted disobeying my parents. So for all of those who have children or who, or who want to encourage children, remember, you will never regret obeying your parents. Do that because, as Paul says, it is right. But as we get older, the role of children changes. But the necessity of honoring our parents does not. We can honor our parents in other ways. And I just want to say that uh, when... I was, the first six months of this year, the first five months, as I was caring for Brenda, there was a beautiful display of my children honoring both Brenda and myself. It was uh, a time when we were in very great need, and they made the most of that opportunity to come alongside and to just show us their love in significant ways each and every day. It was a beautiful picture of what honor looks like. Today it's often the case that elderly parents move into personal care homes and that's partly the way our society works and the duty of daily care is removed from the children yet even so it is still possible to honor or dishonor our parents in that situation. How can we do that? In a number of ways. First of all by spending time with your parents. Even, uh, and my mom lives uh, in another province, and I'll be going to spend time with her in just a few days, traveling to Ontario to be with, uh, with her for the first time in quite a number of years. Uh, but I can still call her and talk to her, which I do. Listening to our parents and appreciating their perspectives, even when their perspectives might be quite a bit different than our own forgiving our parents when they've wronged us and they will wrong us that's just the nature of of humanity caring for them when there are some special needs that you can fulfill telling them how much you appreciate the love and the care that they have given in raising us uh, they have invested heavily in raising the next generation, and we can tell them how much we appreciate them and esteem them publicly and privately when you're with them and also to others as well. Now, I do want to make special note of the fact that while many homes are good homes and parents are worthy of honor, there are situations where parents do not deserve honor, where they have abused their children, where they have been uh, not cared for them as they should, 
where there has been situations that um, would lead you to say, I don't need to honor my father and mother because of what they did to me. And I want to recognize that and acknowledge it. But at the same time, I would say that there are still ways that you can honor your father and mother even in these situations. It may look different. It may be a different kind of situation, but there are still ways that you can honor your father and mother when they have not, when they are really not worthy of it in a sense. So moving to that next circle, how do we obey this fifth commandment? We can obey the fifth commandment to honor your father and mother when we bring honor to the family of God. And that's right here in this congregation. I'm sure that when God handed down this commandment, it wasn't just the family unit it was, he was thinking about. It was the entire society at that time. And we can do that by showing honor and love and respect to all of those around us in the family of faith. It's most important right here in the geographic family that God has placed you in. So in this context, God is calling you to honor each other in this local congregation. And Paul speaks a lot about submitting to one another, being in harmony, uh, loving each other, unity, those kinds of things. That's a part of, being, of obeying this commandment and honoring God through honoring and loving the people that he has put you in a family with. And then we can move to that outer circle as well. We can obey the fifth commandment when we bring honor to those who are in authority above us, even in a secular society. And who are those who are in authority above us in society? Well, it could be your employer, could be your teachers, could be government officials, governing boards, Whoever it is that God has placed in authority above you, you honor God by honoring them. And this too is supported in scripture. Paul reminds us to respect these authorities and to obey them as much as it is possible. I think there is a tendency, a desire sometimes to say, I don't need to respect this authority because I'm going to honor God instead. I'm going to respect and obey God, and I'm going to disrespect this authority. And I think that's a mistake. I think we do better to honor God by honoring those he has placed in authority above us. So in conclusion, I can say that empowered by the Holy Spirit, as much as it is possible within your capacity, honor your father and mother, the family of God, and those who are in authority above you so that it will go well with you and that you will have a tremendous witness in the community and then throughout the world to bring glory to God. Amen. In response, let's turn to number 535 and sing A Christian Home. There's quite a lot to chew on in these three verses of the song as well, so we'll sing all three verses and sing them all together. And then after that, we're going to flip to 108, which is uh, where we'll sing the last verse of, of that song. But starting with A Christian Home, 535, let's sing all three verses.
Let's sing the last verse of 108. Praise yet our Christ again. Alleluia. Peace to love and serve the Lord.